Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished entrepreneur uh, and a fund manager from Singapore, Rina Neo. Rina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, almost one o'clock in Singapore here. Thank you. Uh, Rina is the co-founder and managing director of Ficus Venture Fund, the first Sharia-compliant investment company in Malaysia. She serves on several boards. She's been awarded, recognized, and felicitated globally. She's a community builder and a leadership exponent, and she sits on the board of several organizations. So, Rina, there are so many things to talk to you about, but let's start with the Ficus Venture Fund. Tell me about this fund. So, Ficus is actually a fund that a few of us, good friends, uh, came together and, and started it um, because we felt that there is a vacuum, uh, a vacuum in Malaysian really homegrown VCs. So, mm-hmm. we um, all of us have got quite an accomplished career as either as an entrepreneur or as a banker. Mm-hmm. And probably at this time of our life, we wanted to do something meaningful for the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, without um, funding, without angels, investors, without VC funds, uh, there's no way an idea can be um, nurtured, right? So we know that um, this is something that we want to do. And it took us a couple of, probably around six months to get everyone together and say, okay, let's do it, right? Mm -hmm. So FICUS is um, what we call a a Sharia compliant fund. Basically, it's just uh, uh, two parts of it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, most VCs don't touch, um, you know, things that are, for example, gaming, drugs, and all this. So anything that is tech, we will uh, consider it Sharia compliant. Um, And then the second part of it is basically like how you structure the investment, Mm -hmm. right? For example, uh, there's a term called mudabraba, which is a profit share. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the term because uh, the way it is structured because it is always uh, giving consideration to the risk. So if I invest in you and the business did not go well, um, the investor should share the risk with the, uh, the founders as well, right? Mm-hmm. Not just because uh, obviously the founder is running it, but sometimes, you know, uh, things happen not out of control, right? So these are some of the, the uh, structuring terms. But essentially, um, we felt that um, there is a vacuum in this space. So as in all uh, businesses or services that you want to launch, you need to claim that space. And uh, we, we claim this space because um, uh, two of our team members are very familiar with the Islamic finance. And Malaysia, obviously, are well-known uh, in the world uh, in this space. So we have got like, you know, really, you know, awesome Sharia scholars. Uh, we have been one of the countries that has uh, actually issued uh, quite a number of Sukkot funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we are. In terms of mandate, uh, we look at tech companies. Mm-hmm. We look at uh, anywhere from pre-seed to series A. Um, so the investment and the ticket size will probably from uh, anywhere from a million ringgit to five million, uh, usually when we top up. Um, the fund is domicile in Malaysia. 
uh, 50% of our investment, we are looking for awesome, kick-ass Malaysian companies, but we are also looking at uh, ASEAN as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, in Malaysia, since most of my team is based there, just myself uh, mm-hmm. is in Singapore, um, and another uh, GP is in Singapore, uh, we actually would prefer to lead if it is a Malaysian company. But of course, if it is outside of our geography uh, or, or our reach area, we would probably be asking uh, the founders or the companies to find a lead and we, were, we are happy to follow. Because I think, you know, the local would probably know best. Right? So essentially, this is a new fund. Uh, so we are in year one of our deployment. So aggressively uh, investing. Oh, wonderful. So what do you look for? Uh, before funding a venture, other than, of course, it being Sharia compliant? Okay, so um, maybe I could touch a little bit more because funding comes in different forms and shape, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am fortunate to wear uh, both hats as a, um, I would say, I've been an entrepreneur. If you ask me, Rina, what do you do? I would probably tell you without blinking. I'm uh, still an entrepreneur at heart. Mm-hmm. I love building businesses. Um, I'm able to invest because uh, I was fortunate enough uh, to exit um, a couple of uh, investments or a couple of companies that I've built. Mm -hmm. So I invest as early as 2006 as an angel investor Mm -hmm. and then started my boutique venture fund in Singapore called Mercatus. So that particular boutique fund has given me a lot of opportunities to um, look at you know, um, from ideas to growth stories and all this. So I still do invest as an angel uh, until today. So uh, currently I have about 17 uh, personal portfolios that have invested as angel. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me, um, you know, in relation to today's conversation about FICUS, right? Mm-hmm. Venture capital, how do we invest? So obviously uh, all of us has got a mandate Mm-hmm. to invest. So it starts with the geography. So I just mentioned that uh, most of 50% of a mandate, we Malaysia will invest in Malaysia. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The different stages or the different life cycle of the company. So we will not invest in an idea. We will not invest in companies that has no traction. Mm-hmm. Meaning uh, traction means you need to have a minimum viable product. Traction means you've got a revenue model. Uh, it doesn't have to be like, wow, superb, but at least we know that you have got paying customers, even if it is like very little. But uh, there is a potential to grow. Mm. There is a potential to scale. Uh, like, for example, Malaysia. Uh, we do see that the startups in um, Asian countries or developing countries, mm. they are fighting very hard um, you know, or competing very hard with um, other startups from first world country mm. simply because I think um, they built a business that is, lo- is catered for the local market. Mm. So as a VC, we need to basically invest in company that has high growth because we need to return the investment mm. to our limited partners or investors. And usually, you know, the hurdle rate is like 12%. So we can't be picking on companies that basically are, you know, just taking my money and say, yeah, I, I'm taking 100000 but in five years, I'll return you 200000 mm-hmm. That's too slow, too little for us. 
So sometimes when startups present to us, and I want to bring your attention to this point, right? Especially women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Women, we are sort of, you know, the DNA itself, right? We, we are very careful, mm-hmm. so, which is a good thing. Sure. Um, but being careful means that you don't want to take so much risk mm-hmm. and your appetite is not as big, right? So when I'm looking at a female-led uh, company versus a, a guy, you know, a, a team of guys who are like so, you know, so aggressive, right? I would probably be considering just on a financial perspective, right? If I deploy 1 million to this female uh, or a less aggressive founder versus a more aggressive team, you know, um, I can do the maths and the calculating just based on, you know, um, numbers, right? It's no brainer. Then of course, then, you know, who drives it and other things comes in, right? So my my um, sort of like little tips for uh, those who are seeking um, uh, VC funding, okay. Do have um, the projection in your mind or in, in, in what you call as appendix or, you know, mm-hmm. that you have the most, um, you know, best scenario and, and the worst scenario. Mm-hmm. The worst scenario is because that is the bare minimum you should do for yourself. But for the VC, um, the more aggressive, the better. Of course, because we will we'll be taking a discount. Yeah. So these are the areas that we look at. Uh, very fundamental, but this is mo- what most VCs will look at. Is there a scalability? Okay. okay. Wonderful. So Rina, now let's move to the next segment, which is, you know, you just said that you, I think, have 19 active investments uh, in startups. So you're, you're quite a startup investment guru. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you a couple of questions on startups. Sure. Um, what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup entrepreneurs make? Well, uh, building, a, well, the, the most fundamental one that I've seen, uh, obviously as a investors, we do make mistakes as well. Um, in the early years, I, I made a lot of mistakes by being very impressed with the financial projections and uh, wonderful PowerPoint slides. Um, And we basically wrote checks because of that, right? Um, So of course, after paying uh, our tuition fees, you know, um, investors get burned as well. So we learn our lessons. Mm -hmm. At very, very early stage, as in the ideation stage, um, most of the time, the business model will change, will pivot. So I'm looking at founders who are agile, Mm -hmm. who has grit. And I think fundamentally, when you build a company and you, the first thing you think of is, yeah, how rich can I be? Um, I think that's the wrong start because, you know, when things get tough and you know, entrepreneurship is not a bed of roses, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time you don't have money. You probably have money. The valuation of your company is, you know, X, Y, Z, but it's on paper. Mm-hmm. Until the money is in your bank, you still don't have money. You can be, you know, holding 50% of a, a you know, huge uh, company that's valued at whatever price it is, right? But you're, you're not um, cash rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're probably like, you know, uh, not that liquid. So if you built it based on just the financial uh, motivation, mm-hmm. most people will give up. Because how many of the startups make money? And how many of them actually become a unicorn? I mean, 
thousands would have died before we finally found a unicorn, right? Okay. So I think in it's not a hundred meter run. It's not even like a you know four hundred meter run. It's really a marathon, and I think. I would want to bet on people who, you know, um, do it for the right reasons because that will make, you know, that that will actually, um, you know, give you the platform to go further and a reason to go further than just looking at financial uh, return. But if I'm looking at a VC, uh, wearing a VC hat and investing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, fast growth. Uh, you know, and then whether you've got traction, uh, you have you have got a strong team mm-hmm. that can execute your brilliant vision. Mm-hmm. So we basically do a lot of drill down on execution plan, and we I personally realize that um, you know most of the founders are not able to basically um, articulate the details of it. So of course the presentation slides, you know, everybody put up their big numbers. And uh, I normally will ask them to pull out, you know, uh, the, the Excel spreadsheet on how they derive the numbers. And you realize that the assumptions are maybe not correct. Correct. Because you, if you assume wrongly, then, you know, everything is interlinked, right? Yeah. And then we will look at, okay, if this guy, you know, good founders, founding team, you know, have got experience, have got the right uh, mentality, how else can we help? Because I think, you know, uh, if we're just competing uh, based on, you know, our war chest, mm-hmm. our fund is a small fund. You know, we can't be competing with the big guys. Mm-hmm. What else can we value at? Is it something that these guys um, don't have? Mm-hmm. A network that I can open up, for example? Or for me, I think uh, most of my personal investments are in uh, edutech because I, I just simply love education mm-hmm. so if if i'm looking at uh competing with another vc mm-hmm. to put in money right uh i would definitely have more value add uh in the edutech space because i have a, i own preschools i've invested in many uh edutech related companies mm-hmm. versus a vc who is like yeah maybe they have more money but i always tell the founders that at this stage you know especially venture stage or even angel stage, right? you want to look for someone who can bring more than just money mm-hmm. because money can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. But um, value add, uh, you know, uh, network, advice, um, you know, someone that will uh, willing to spend time to walk the journey with you is more priceless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's the few things I look at. Yeah. Very interesting. But, you know, uh, again, my next question is for the many, many startup entrepreneurs who will listen to you. Uh, how soon should a startup entrepreneur try and raise money or is bootstrapping a, a wiser thing to do as long as possible? I think this is uh, very, <laughs> um, I would say that the there is no one answer or templated answer to this. Sure. Each company, each individual, each founder have got their own preferences, you know, uh, whether it is the industry itself. Mm-hmm. Some, some industry that you're in, you need to really scale fast. You can't wait. Some industry, for example, you can wait because, it's, you know, there's not so much of noise there. But it also depends on the culture mm-hmm. of, you know, where the, the startups are from. For example, um, I've seen folks that has just got a few pages of slides. Mm-hmm. 
they were re- they were able to articulate the idea and uh, basically get the attention of um, uh, Silicon Valley investors. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they are able to show that hey, you know what, uh, these these services or this product or, or this venture is being done in, in Silicon Valley, but there's nobody doing it in Asia. Therefore, it doesn't have to be a, a rocket science thing, but I can execute in Asia because I've executed in the past. And they've got zero revenue. They've got probably a minimum viable product, but they're able to attract um, the VCs to put in money at a huge valuation. Mm. Bootstrap maybe for less than a year. So these are real cases. Okay. Whereas in Asia, I think uh, most of the founders, because of our values of mm-hmm. our culture, we believe that okay, you need to put on, um, you know, you need to have a skin in the game. You need to like, you know, um, break your piggy banks and and you know, borrow from your family, friends, and and you know, parents, mm-hmm. um, to to work on it first before you go and take money from a stranger. Okay. And the fact that. I take money from a stranger. Is it something shameful or is it something not acceptable? Mm-hmm. Uh, to many women founders, I think taking money from someone is something that I cannot sleep at night. I'll be worrying, you know, how can I return the money, blah, blah, blah. So it really um, depends on the, t- the industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Some industry like e-commerce, marketplace, you really need external funding because there's so much you can because yeah. user acquisition is so expensive mm-hmm. and is who's in the, in, in the market first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think uh, it really depends on the team, the founders themselves. And also, obviously, if I'm the founding, uh, founders team, right, I would probably um, you know, be in constant discussion with my, uh, found, uh, my investors uh, to basically get them to, to uh, you know, uh, advice. Mm. I always think that um, when you are picking your angel investors, right, there are a few characters that it would be good to have in your cap table or as an, one is a superb finance guy. The other one is actually a brilliant marketing person, mm. right? These two, if you have it in your team, it makes your journey so much more easier. Well said. Right? Well said. Yeah. Well said. So, Rina, I'm now going to move the last segment about our conversation sure. given the time we have. Um, you're associated with the Asia CEO community. Yes. Um, tell me about this community and the objectives of uh, the, the community. So, Asia CEO community uh, is um, sort of an idea started by the CEO called Gary Lam. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's based in Hong Kong. And it started with a very noble idea some years ago. And he was working in the financial sector and he, of course, got uh, CFOs as his clients. Mm -hmm. And um, he was telling me that one day, you know, some of the um, executives, you know, we have got restructuring, we have got repositioning. And the executives at that point of time um, in their late 50s, very high level executives, Mm -hmm. suddenly was told that, hey, you're no longer needed. Right, because you know someone else who can do the job. Someone uh, younger is there in the team, and and cheaper perhaps, or you just you know um, yeah. I mean, gone are those days where you have golden rice bowl, right? You can mm-hmm. work for one job and you know, pe- or maybe your job is now taken over by a robot. Everything is yeah. digitized, right? Yeah. So that was a very um, heartbreaking uh, conversation or situation to be in. Uh, 
Mm. And then the CEOs, get, uh, these executives get together and see, you know, how can we support each other uh, at this journey? Mm. And um, so we were socializing about this idea. It started with just a meetup of a few CEOs like myself. And I always believe that um, we all know um, if you have a mouthpiece, if someone say, you know, Rina, I think you're so you're good in this. Uh, basically, it's a third party validation mm-hmm. compared to Rina, you know, blowing her own trumpet. Mm-hmm. So I felt that uh, if the this is actually a situation where most CEOs uh, uh, potentially going to experience, um, we, we as CEOs need to come together and, and help each other, support each other. Mm-hmm. So that is how, you know, um, I told Gary, uh, at that time he was already building a small group CEO. So I said, well, I'm keen to build community because I've always believed in investing in uh, social impact uh, mm-hmm. companies. So I remember in uh, Langham Hotel, I took a napkin, I wrote uh, down, you know, how I would vision uh, Asia CEO to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, communities coming to work together. Mm-hmm. At that time, I must be like, I, I didn't even think that it's going to be a business model. Mm-hmm. But of course, social impact companies need to survive as well, right? Because mm-hmm. even if you have volunteers, you still need to pay bills. But in the last couple of years, we are just basically building the network. Um, so Gary, as a CEO, has done a fantastic job getting people to come together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing great things together, especially in the pandemic. Um, I've seen how a group of you know, like-minded people Mm-hmm. with their individual strengths and wisdom and network, we pull together, you know, um, masks and, 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 you know, all these sanitizers when Hong Kong was in lockdown. Mm-hmm. We have members from Mexico, uh, India trying to help. Um, you know, when crisis, right, you, you feel that, you know, people are just there to help. So we, we wanted these to be the, um, the values of mm-hmm. the community. Okay. So... Very pleased to share that uh, it's growing every day. Um, so I think we have a, a chapter in India as well. Yeah. Very interesting. So I'm, I'm the first investor. We have got two other investors in mm. this uh, venture. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Because, uh, you know, Gary reached out to me uh, a week ago <laughs> and said, please join. And I joined. So I'm delighted to meet you as one of the founders. <laughs> so wonderful. Thank you so much for supporting us. I, I believe, you know, um, uh, the best way to grow is really to share. Okay. Nobody knows the best of everything and why re- recreate the wheel? And I, f- I actually believe that, you know, uh, executives like yourself, you know, with so much experience. I mean, LinkedIn is definitely good for us to connect. But what we wanted is, um, I believe, uh, a hybrid uh, kind of society or uh, you know a community is important mm-hmm. I was just having a conversation this morning right with one of my uh, startup who's in the um, preschool education space mm-hmm. uh, while we are having zoom calls you know anywhere from our home in the comfort of our living room mm-hmm. we're not utilizing all the five senses that God has given us we're using we're using our ears our you know vision but the touch the smell is not Hmm. So for kids, right, we were discussing how online education will affect them. Hmm. You know, so we're, we're actually quite concerned because kids, you know, you need to let them fall so that they can feel the pain and they, they'll know their boundaries, right? So we're really hoping that, you know, um, 
uh, you know, borders will open up and, um, you know, we get to meet each other. That's why we started chapters in, in different countries so that members going to that particular country um, will get a soft landing because there's somebody there that you know that you can reach out to and the decent people. Yeah, so, so that's basically a very, I guess, you know, purist kind of approach to mm. why I, I want to invest in a community versus investing in like a blockchain or, you know, some fancy things. Yeah. Well said. Rina, we've now run out of time. So I just want to say thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for taking me through such an amazing journey you've already had at such a young age. And I'm sure there's so much more to look forward to. Thank you. Thank again you so time. much for having me. It's, it's great pleasure. So I look forward to seeing you um, in Singapore, yeah. in Hong Kong, or whichever in our country we're in. Absolutely. Thank you. Right. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.